the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Plenty of Game 7 coverages. Baseball's past the quarter point mark. The NHL postseason is coming down to the wire. And of course, Julio Jones has been traded to the Tennessee Titans, the focal point of our show today. All of this being broken down in its entirety on The Athletic, and you can visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription today. As previously mentioned, this will be a largely Julio Jones-related show, but not not so much focused on him specifically. Uh, we'll certainly break down the numbers, but I want to kind of encapsulate what this move means, right? From a Titan standpoint, there's discussions on Tannehill. There's discussions on Derrick Henry. There's discussions on the Titans as a whole. Um, and how this financially is going to work over the next couple of seasons. And I did a little bit of work to sort of speak to that side of it as well. Maybe every angle possible. Um, back end of the show, Scott Allen joins to recap what is now officially into the second round of the, of the NBA playoffs with the Clippers taking down a good Dallas team, but you could see the, uh, the deficiencies on that Dallas squad pretty pretty clearly today. When it was time to play a man's ball, uh, you know, Luca did his thing. There was not another player in that court. That's my quick analysis of that game. Certainly plenty more at the Athletic in terms of deep dives into these postseasons, but we do have a final eight here. And I wouldn't say it's exactly what we expected. So we'll bring Scott in and talk a little bit more about that, talk about how these payrolls kind of match up, maybe what these teams have in terms of sticking power financially speaking right he was kind of built to win not just now but maybe make make a good run at this over the next couple of seasons i would imagine just quickly looking at these teams that there's a few that will have to keep pretty fluid in terms of their finances because they're just uh you know they don't have a core established just yet so maybe they don't belong here in terms of these other teams yet but we'll see what scott has to say about that all right let's get to julio here this was the expected move it was the expected compensation. You know, the fourth for six swap in 2023 is gravy on top of the mashed potatoes and turkey. Honestly, it's uh, it's not a big deal. Although you could say a fourth round pick has hit every now and then in terms of quarterbacks, which could become interesting for a team like Atlanta. I, I want to start with Atlanta. We've talked about this a lot, obviously, speculations and reasoning and will they, won't they, and blah, blah, blah. We're here. They did it. They moved, you know, $15.3 million off their books this year. The dead cap is this, just for those of you who haven't been following it on Twitter. It's $7.75 million this year. It's $15.5 million next year. Both significant savings in terms of the, the Falcons cap. And, you know, that's the take. That's, that's what's happening here. You know, there needs to be a, an, an empty jersey that drapes over the Falcons bench this year that has to have the name cap space on the back of it. And the number is 15 because that's what it was. That's, that's why we're here. Now you can say Julio Jones was embattled that he wanted to get himself out of this organization and that's fine. Do you think that was required? Is this an Aaron Rodgers type situation? You know, does it, does it even get close to an NBA type situation where the player is saying, I'm done, get, get, get me out of here or I simply won't play. There's two sides of this coin. 
He's 32, and we're going to talk about that a lot here. They did just draft a weapon, a good weapon, presumably the best weapon in the 2021 uh, draft slash free agent pool in Kyle Pitts. They have Calvin Ridley, who at times has been outstanding and consistent, consistently above average, but at times outstanding. I mean, he's going to be a player, and he's now a clear contract extension candidate now, um, which sounds silly because, you know, they just had to dump cap space. Why would they add more? They don't necessarily have to do that. You know, I'm talking about cash. I'm talking about New Year's, new cash for Kelvin Ridley. You can flex the cap how as you need, and that's the point to be made here. And that's why I don't think you're going to see a lot of people say, the Falcons had to do this. This is a great move. I'm going to grade this A out of the gate. Nobody really should say that because if you've been listening to me long enough and listening to a lot of talking heads for the past couple of years, kind of hammer this point home, the cap is unbelievably fluid, unbelievably flexible. We are in the one of the worst cap drops in, in league history, if not the in league history for external reasons. And this isn't slowing business down. We've had starting quarterbacks move you know, multiple, three or four, maybe another one coming in Jimmy Garoppolo, possibly. You know, we've had major trades, major contract extensions, and we're not even close to done on those with the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons of the world still set to sign. You know, maybe a Calvin Ridley, maybe some more of these weapons as well. Businesses as usual. And if the cash business is as usual, then there's really no reason to say we just flat out can't afford you from a cap perspective. So while that is a, it's a, it's a reasoning. Okay. It's something that Atlanta was struggling with this year. And, you know, I went on a a Falcons podcast in January and said, Hey, you know, there's going to be some hard days ahead of here. You're going to lose some defensive players. There's going to be some massive restructures and, or, you know, if they can find a way out of Matt Ryan before they restructured him again, that was going to be a possibility. They didn't. So this was a this was a simple but devastating fix. Here's why it's devastating. This guy's 32. Man, he's a great wide receiver. He's not going to be great for, for much longer. He might not even be great right now. He has been great. He may not be great this year. And it just makes sense to me personally that this squad just kind of stuck together. You know, Matt Ryan's stuck in mud in terms of his contract. They did just bring in a new weapon. Calvin Ridley has worked well with Julio Jones. That hasn't been a problem. This offense has been top 10. You know, even when they faltered out of the gate a couple of years in a row here, their second half of seasons have been blowing people out. They just didn't have the defense to keep it up. You know, their points against versus points scored, that's a circus right now. But this is an offense that has worked. There's no question about it. And they're worse today. There's no question that they're worse today. And I wonder if one year to see how this experiment would have worked with Julio Jones right at the cusp of his twilight, you know, wasn't the right, wasn't the better move. Let's just restructure a couple more contracts. Keep this guy in the fold. He's been here forever. We gave up heaven and hell to go up and draft him in the first place. Now, these are surfacey opinions right here. These really are. I mean, the business side of me is saying, shut up, you're wrong. You know, this was the best business move. And oh, by the way, Julio Jones wants to go and win a a Super Bowl, which I know there's a lot of you saying, why Tennessee then? But we'll get to that. I I just think from the Falcon standpoint, this was a little bit soft. That's all. 
if you know you have to deal with Matt Ryan right now, and he's above average still, and you know you have a couple other weapons in tow, why not just keep this weapon and see what else he can squeeze out of him? That's all. That's all I'm saying here. I think it's a, it's a lose-lose situation for the Falcons. Yes, they get their second-round pick. What is that? I mean, what is that even? Uh, you know, that's not going to fix many of the problems they may have going forward. But I think they had a chance, a real chance. Now, look, you can look divisionally and say, yikes, around this Atlanta team. But like I said, the past two years, their second halves have been right there with anyone in their division. So it, uh, I get it. The business side of me says, you know, this is just fine. They got the compensation that was probably of value. And they move on some cap and cash. Everything is good to go now. Um, that's all to be said here. They can sign their draft class. Go have fun. They've got, you know, eight, nine players to get under contract. They will now. And they'll move forward with a camp that looks heavily at some young young kids. You know, Calvin Ridley is extension eligible now. Fifth-year option coming down the pipeline as long as he doesn't get a contract extension. Matt Ryan is not easy to get rid of next year. We've talked about that. The dead cap that they've pushed down and down and down still exists. You know, as it stands right now, 2022 dead cap is 40.5 million on Matt Ryan. And there's a roster bonus early March next year. So, you know, you're either doing this all over again next year and hoping that the roster you have this year can grow up a little bit more next year and, and, and gel with Ryan for at age 37, or there's going to be some really hard days when you move on from the quarterback next year, either outright release or take on some salary to, uh, to, to trade him somewhere else. It's just a, it's a weird window. And I think maybe just pushing through and figuring out the cap behind the scenes might have been the easier answer. Maybe not easier, but the more successful answer. But it's, it didn't happen. He's gone. He's in Tennessee. Let's talk about it. This was always the logical destination. There were a few. You know, I threw out there my sleeper wild card as Arizona because they've shown interest in experienced talent over let's get a bunch of draft picks. That's the kind of franchise I think they are right now. I agree with it. I think their basketball team by the way, has shown that can be successful. And I think uh, many of the of the good teams in sports that have gone from worst to first in the past five years or so in every sport, NHL, St. Louis Blues, I mean, there's been a lot of this, has basically said, stop trying to hit lightning in a bottle in the second round of a draft and go rip somebody away from a team who maybe doesn't want to be there or that team can't afford them or doesn't want to pay or you know, there's there's an agent issue, something. Go find issues and make them your successes. And I think Arizona's done a nice job of that. This is certainly an example of that. That's what Tennessee has done here. There was either a player issue with Julio wanting out, or this was simply just that we can't afford you issue, which, you know, you heard, you heard my take on that. Either way, this is let's go get a veteran player. And they have all the rights in the world to do this. They're on a one-year contract with Derrick Henry. They've got about two years guaranteed left on Ryan Tannehill. So that's your window. Let's be frank. You know, it's all built around the quarterback right now. There's a two-year guarantee on Tannehill's contract. That could turn into three if they have to restructure to get Julio Jones in the, on the books here. But this is a short-term, let's do it now. They had, they had a sniff of success two years ago. They took a step back a little bit last year. 
I think they've moved on from the offensive coordinator in terms of they were trying to run things through players that maybe didn't have the ability to do that. And a couple of those players are no longer on the team without naming names. So this is a, a quick fix for a guy that maybe is a little bit past his prime, but should be able to compete at a very high level. And oh, by the way, doesn't have to be the superstar. He doesn't. A.J. Brown is a superstar. He can stay healthy, and that's a conversation for both of these wide receivers now. He can certainly be a superstar. And, oh, but, and the third option on this team now, by the way, is Josh Reynolds, who has had great success as a complimentary player on a winning Rams team. So I, I, like, I like everything about what, you know, that layout right there. And fast forward to Derrick Henry, and they did draft a running back, and there is, there's depth in that position. Henry did not show signs of slowing down. He's a slow starter, comes in like a bull running later in the year, come October, November, and that's when he really makes bang for buck. I expect that to happen again. This is the last year of his guarantee. So let's quickly talk about how just getting Julio here can happen. So Julio brings cap hits of 15.3, 11.5, and 11.5 over the next three years. Those are cash and cap hits coming to Tennessee with him. Can the Titans afford it? No, not right now. They can't. All right, They're under in terms of what we have on the site. Certainly there are things happening behind the scenes right now to make sure that doesn't officially hit because there'd be major ramifications. So something is happening right now. I've put it out there on Twitter a couple of times. You could certainly restructure Ryan Tannehill, who's got a $24.5 million salary this year. That's going to save you over over $15 million without even adding void years. If you want to dump, add on two, two void years to his contract, I mean, you can get yourself up to $17, $18 million of savings and give yourself some breathing room because there's still a couple of rookies to be signed in this roster. It's, uh, you know, there's, there, there's some work to be done here. This offseason roster is not complete right now. So, they're negative nine and change right now on our site. Julio costs 50. That's with Julio's 15. So the easy answer, right? Bullet point number one here is how, of how to make this work is you, you just restructure Julio. And I want to expand upon that just a little bit because there is so much out there about A, Julio Jones wants a new contract wherever he goes. And then Z, I'm not even sure that the team that takes on Julio Jones wants him at 15 million. So they're going to make the Falcons take on half of the salary as part of the trade. Those two things don't work together, right? That's, that's North pole, South pole stuff right there. So here we are. No salary was retained as I assumed it wouldn't be because this is a player that's going to make an immediate impact. This is not Brock Osweiler. Okay. This is an impact player where there were at least multiple offers. I don't know if we ever got that first round pick that was reported. That was probably some agent speak, but we're here with a full contract. So Julio's 15 and change, which is actually 17 and change in terms of full guarantees. So 2 million of next year, 2022 is also fully guaranteed right now. It's already in, on the books, fully guaranteed for cap and cash and all that skill. Generally what happens when we have these kind of moves and there's plenty of term left like this is there's some sort of restructure. You saw this in Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we even saw this with Nick Foles when he moved from Jacksonville to Chicago. Generally, you just take that guaranteed money, kind of front load it, maybe, maybe make it a big bonus and then tack on some years with more cap flexibility. Here's the thing. <laughs> okay. 
is Julio asking for a new contract because he thinks he should be in DeAndre Hopkins' world at age 32, which is $27 million a year on that, on that restructure? Because his current contract, which is $22 million a year in terms of new money, is the second highest average paid contract in, in the NFL right now in terms of wide receivers. It was when he signed it. It still is. So let me add on to that even. That was a three-year, $66 million extension. Okay. The Falcons paid $48 million of it, give or take, over the past two seasons. In all, it was five years, $87 million. The Falcons have paid him $48 million of that, so more than half. The, that leaves us with three years, about $39 million left. $17 million fully guaranteed. There's your full breakdown. That's the Julio Jones, where it started and where it is now situation. Those three years that are left, that's the new years from that extension. <laughs> okay, It hasn't even started yet. Now, the money was certainly more front-loaded, so the Falcons ended up paying most of it. But this is sort of like Odell Beckham Jr. getting a contract in the, with the Giants and then seven seconds later getting flipped to Cleveland. It's got remnants of that. You know, there was a year more than what ODB played in, in the, on the Giants there. But this is, this is a steal for Tennessee, and that's why there's talk about contract because Tennessee's getting him at, you know, 12 million a year, 15, 13, 14 million a year right now over the next couple of years. It's not even 13, actually. And the guarantees are half. So he's upset probably with, all right, I'm finally leaving this team. I'm on a brand new team for the first time. This is a, an AFC contender for all intents. And, you know, I've, got, I've only got 17 million guaranteed left in my contract. I, I hate to be that guy, but... <laughs> He's 32, and he, here's the uh, here's the list of players at age 32 in terms of wide receivers who have gotten over 10 million a year on a new contract. Larry Fitzgerald, one for 11 million, a couple of times. That's what the Cardinals agreed on, kind of annually as his one-year contract, and may do it again, by the way, if he wants to come back. Emmanuel Sanders, last year at age 33, two years, 24 million with the Saints, 10 million guaranteed. He was out after the first year, one for 10. That's it. Now, we can go back into the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, when we're talking about like T.O. a couple times. Deshaun Jackson has had a few that were in the eights and the nines. You know, when you want to maybe adjust for inflation and cap and things like that, yeah, there's been some guys who have been paid two, three-year contracts that were upwards of $10 million a year, even back then. But 22, 24, 28? 27 and a half to go over Hopkins. What are we talking about here? Uh, you know, that's the, that, that's the part of the conversation. That's the part of the tweet that never gets completed. It's just the agent has, has basically said to these people, yeah, you know, wherever he goes, he's probably going to want to get, you know, compensated properly. I, I think he's compensated just fine. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm going to introduce a new little stat here that we've been running on the site. That's called the, basically the adjusted live AAV. So, you know, Julio Jones signs a five for 87, which is three for 66 in new money in years. There's your 22 million a year on the backside of that. But after that signing bonus is paid, after that first run roster bonus is paid out, you know, things drastically change the further you get down a contract. 
So let's look at the top five wide receiver contracts in football. And what are their AAVs now? So DeAndre Hopkins, I told you, two for tw- he had a $27 million extension, new money. Well, he's 29, and his live AAV is 16.3. Keenan Allen just signed two years ago. He's 29. His live AAV, 17.9. Beckham Jr., 29, 15.2. Michael Thomas is 28, just over 16 million, live AAV. And Amari Cooper, 27 years old, and he has a true $20 million per year contract. So over the next three seasons, if he stays in this deal, he's set to make $20 million cash each, each of the years. So it was a true $20 million contract. Thomas can get out after this. Cooper can get out after this. Beckham's already been past his guarantees. Hopkins can get out after this. All these contracts are uh, are loosely you know, stabilized in terms of guaranteed money right now. Keenan has one, one more really strong year, 2022, of full guarantees. Um, the point being, you know, when you adjust for age, I mentioned Julio Jones, his live AAV is 12.7. That's 15 and change this year, 11 and a half over the next two after that. I don't think it's that bad of a deal. Now, you want to take that $17 million that's fully guaranteed, front-load it to him to give him a little bit more money this year, and maybe turn this into a true two-year contract with three dummy years on the back end, or you know, uh, you know, a restructure after, after year two that adds void years, whatever you have to do here. We've seen it all happen this year, so nothing's going to be new to these teams. Fine. I mean, the Falcons ended up doing that two years ago with him anyway basically took some guaranteed salary out of a 2020 season, pulled it back into 2019 and make him a little bit more happy. This, this happens often. And it's a, it's a good way to play the game because, you know, we're, let's not rip things up. Let's just make them happy now. And we'll see where we are 12 months from now. I think if you front load that, that 17 million, if you fully guarantee 2022, and then it's, let's see after that, a, it aligns you nicely with Tannehill's contract. B, it gives you a little bit of breathing room with, with A.J. Brown's extension, which isn't eligible until after 2021. So you want to make Julio a little bit more expensive this year on you in terms of cash? I don't think they can gawk at that, as long as they have their cap flexibility, which they'll get. But we ha- we're crazy if we're out here talking about how this guy is going to get another $25 million per year contract. That's just not... There's no precedent for that. And he hasn't been statistically good enough to say, I've got to be paid with the best wide receivers in, fo- in football right now, no matter what age they are. He's just not that, se- he doesn't have that kind of separation statistically. Let's get to that real quick. I told you I had some research here today. I put him up in our valuation tool against those five players, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Beckham Jr., Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper. There's about five decent stats that I run on these guys on average. All right. He does, by the way, have more receiving yards per game than any of them. He's over 90 a game over the past two seasons, 2019, 2020. No argument there. This guy gets it done in terms of catches. Only DeAndre Hopkins has had more targets. So even with Kelvin Ridley in the fold, even with Hayden Hurst being acquired last year, even with a couple of running backs who can catch the ball, Matt Ryan was looking to Julio Jones. Will that be the case in Tennessee? I don't know. I mean, A.J. Brown's a baller, and he's much younger. But he's going to be an impact. There's no question. So in those two statistical categories, he's right there. 
there's really no arguing that this guy has still got it done. Touchdowns per game. He's lacked. He's lacked. He's fourth out of five on this list. All right? Only, uh, only Beckham Jr.'s had less. Here's one that really threw me off. He is second among these five players to Michael Thomas in yards after catch. I did not see that one coming. So again, he holds some weight there. Here, These last two, though, to me, are the nails in the coffin. Based on age, based on his availability this year, he has twice as many drops as four of these five guys. The only one who's got more than him is Beckham, and Beckham has almost double everybody else. I mean, Beckham is dropping the ball, folks, at least over the past two years. So that's a bad look for Julio there. There's plenty more drops than I think I was expecting, and maybe maybe you as well. And, of course, we know the injuries. He's paid 25% less games than four of these guys, and Beckham has missed a little bit more time as well than him with his injury, of course, the ACL. So huge red flags there. Sure, he can get it done. Sure, he can catch the ball. That's why you gave up a second to get this guy, and that's why you're going to play ball with him on the, on the contract a little. But 32 years old, are you expecting 90 yards a game out of this guy? I, I think that's too much with A.J. Brown in the fold. I, I, to me, it's too much. He's a, he's a WR2 in this team, and at times he'll be a WR3, in my opinion, because of, you know, being 32, banged up, just not feeling it today. It's going to happen. So, yes, the stats, in some degree, hold with the top five receiver contracts in football, but it's not enough. To me, he's, he needed to be way ahead in most of these categories to warrant, all right, well, this guy's old, or he's get he's football old, but we gotta we gotta pay this guy. We want this guy here for three, four more years because he is not showing signs of slowing down. I disagree. I think that you look at these live AAVs and those are the numbers you go off of. So you wanna say, all right, you know what? Let's figure out a way to make him 18 million a year. Keenan Allen's at 17.9 live AAV. Let's push him over the top. Let's make him two for 36 with a, a, an option in the third year void years after that, whatever we need to do from a cap perspective to make us happy and make him happy. That gives him an extra million on his, on his full guarantees right now, right? So if it's 17 now, let's bump it up to 18. We, we make that a nice size bonus so we can structure it properly. And we've got this guy for two years locked in. He's happy for two years. He adds to his career earnings and we go try to win some football games. I, I don't know if I go north of that. I really don't. I don't. Look, the guy's his age this year, just this year. A.J. Green, one for six. T.Y. Hilton, one for eight. Emmanuel Sanders, one for six. Deshaun Jackson, one for 4.5. And Marvin Jones, two years, 12 million. I haven't seen the guarantees on that yet. I can't imagine it's more than six million. I can't imagine it's more than six on Marvin Jones' contract. So what are we talking about with 25 million a year? It can't even be a conversation. I hope to God it's not what drives this week's conversation on the radio. But you want, to, you want to talk me into $18 million per year over two, basically fully guaranteed? I think I can get there. Now, that's way more than Larry Fitzgerald was given. Uh, it's way more than any of these other guys we've talked about are given. You know, T.Y. Hilton to come back. There was some team-friendly, you know, discounts there. There's no question about that. And A.J. Green had so many injuries that you just had to keep pushing that number down and down and down. This guy's still catching 90, 90 yards a game. I'm not, I'm not trying to slight his production. I just think let's be realistic about this. This is a this is at most a tier two contract. Can't be close to a tier one. 
it might be a tier three, right? I mean, maybe you, we can just take what we have here and say, let's go three for 45, 35 guaranteed. Love to have you. Good to, ha- good to have you in the blue and white. You know, see you on the field in July. I, I just don't want to overreact on this one. He's a hell of a player. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And uh, it's good to see him on a, on a team that has a decent chance to win some ball games this year. But let's just be realistic. The numbers say what they say. Uh, quickly, other options on what the Titans may be able to do. There's a couple of defensive players they could, they could restructure in terms of Kevin Byard. They have restructured him before. Um, and I mentioned Derrick Henry. His guarantees, he's fully guaranteed this year. There's no other guarantee on his contract. Not even like a could lock in, could vest if he's on the contract. No. So he's got $6 million of dead cap next year, which is, you know, for a running back, you don't want to get too much more than that. That's not a position where you want to load up the, the cap at, at any point in time. But you could move a few of his dollars this year if you needed to. It's already guaranteed. Flip it into a bonus, push it down over the next couple of years, maybe add some void years, and, uh, and let yourself really just get safe. Just get comfortable cap-wise. So a little bit of a restructure on Derek, maybe a big restructure on Ryan Tannehill, if you want, although that's dead cap trouble in a couple of years. And then of course, some version of a restructure on Julio Jones to drop 15 million, you know, drop from 15 to eight or nine and make him happy with, like I said, some sort of front loaded guarantee and some sort of restructured contract, but let's not get crazy. Okay. Let's talk some basketball. But first, today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring sports professionals the financial solutions they need, including access to financing to support prospective NFL and NBA athletes through the draft process. Find out more about Morgan Stanley's pre and post draft loan program at ms.com slash GSE. MorganStanley.com slash GSE. All right, Scott, welcome back. Mavericks are done. And uh, I watched a decent portion of that second half. They looked like a defeated team. That's a team that just didn't have enough weapons. And we've said this now for a couple of years. This feels like LeBron early on, where they certainly hit lightning in a bottle draft-wise. They have a player who can do everything, but they just don't have that when they double you. <laughs> Where do you go, kind of guy? It was hard away for a couple of weeks there, and that's just not going to be a consistent option for this team. I, I struggle with this Dallas team, Scott. I, you know, I I enjoy the hell out of doing team building exercises and and trying to figure out where teams can go next. You know, we've talked a lot about the Knicks, a little bit about the Lakers, although they're pretty stuck in mud outside of a massive sign and trade situation. Is that what we're dealing with 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 Dallas here, Scott? I mean, here's your here's your free agents outlook in terms of expiring contracts. Hardaway, Tim Hardaway is expired. JJ Redick expired. Josh Richardson has a player option. That was kind of the 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 crafty move from Philadelphia to get Seth Curry out of town. That that backfired. Let's just be let's just be frank about that up front. That backfired. Willie Cauley Stein's on a club option. And then it's some complimentary players with really who are really RFAs. One of them being Boban, who had way too much of a role today. Like mm. I, I couldn't even believe I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, this is your this is your rim protector. You're paying Porzingis how much, and you're asking him to be a wingman to to Luca. I, I get really uncomfortable watching this team, and I hate that because I love watching Luca, and I, I can't be the only one who's like this. So, what do they do here? 
I, I mean, you, tell me what they have financially next year. What you kind of read these tea leaves more than I do. Is this team? They got to make a move. Is it? <laughs> but, but what is that move? Is it? A, is it a? Is it a trade? I mean, do you get somebody to buy out Porzingis? Truly, like, what is that move going to be? It. it that is a multi-million dollar question because, you know, can Porzingis move forward with this team? Does he does he fit enough? Do you bring in – do you do a signing trade with Hardaway? Will that even work somewhere? What do you do with J.J. Redick because you traded for him at the trade deadline? Right. So do you, do you bring him back again having his early bird rights and go from there? Um, He's done, but right? Th- He's a podcast host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but this is a team that Cuban has to pull the trigger on whatever they're going to do. They, they were trying to set themselves up for Giannis. That backfired. We know that they were always trying to go at DeAndre Jordan for the last however many years. That backfired, who could have been their rim protector for the most part. Um, so let me cut in here because I just had a 25 minute discussion with myself about Julio Jones and how, you know, Tennessee just went to get their guy. You know, no more screwing around. Yeah, they exactly. did this with Tannehill. They did this with Julio. Now they've done this with a couple of players. Basically, what you're saying and, and you know, we know the track record of Cuban is he's tried to align. He even did this with LeBron, Scott. <laughs> he has tried to align his team and his cap for free agency. When has that ever worked in this league? Never, uh, rare, rarely. It doesn't rarely. work. That is, and that is why we see all these trades. Look at the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, they got free agency with Kevin Durant and Irving, but Durant was injured, and you know we, we know how that story has gone. But they, they made trade acquisition of James Harden to, to yeah. beef their roster up. You know we, We've seen the Los Angeles Lakers. They had to make a trade for Anthony Davis. They had to go in and say – we don't care about the picks. We don't care about the young kids. We need this one more piece to move forward. And Dallas is at that point, especially knowing what Luca's contract is going to be moving forward. When, you when, know- when is that happening, Scott? What, what is their kind of time frame with him being dirt cheap? They have next year. It's a $10 oh my million. God. Dollars. Bad answer. Ten- <laughs> $10 million next year. And then if he signs that extension this off season, it'll kick in on in the 2022, 23 season, which is going to be 32, 34, wherever Easy. we're going to be. So, you know, he look, I'll, now, I'll backtrack a little bit here because he did, Cuban did try this. Porzingis was that big blockbuster I, I, right. see, I see a weakness on that Knicks team. Porzingis wants out. I, you know, I smell blood. Let's go get him. That's the conversation I just had with the NFL, where teams are starting to do that, right? I mean, that's that was the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins, right? We smell blood. Teams, teams smell blood on, De, on Deshaun Watson. They want him out of there, right? That was the Porzingis situation. It was just the wrong player. Let's just be frank. It was the wrong player. Yes. It's gotten worse and worse. He's a, he's a seven-foot wing. Who gets it? Yeah, who gets injured a lot? So uh, he did try it, but it's time to do it again. I guess is the point we're getting to here. It's time to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Can, can they flip Porzingis? Is a question. Uh, right, because if, if they don't, can they really do do anything else? Or is he pretty much pigeonholing them right now, Scott? Um, 
I mean, they they could make some other moves. Like we said, if, if there is a team wanting Tim Hardaway Jr., you could do a sign and trade and get something back for him. But that won't help uh, the cap space. It, it won't, but it will at least allow you to bring player or players back that may be an upgrade over him and some of the other guys they may lose. Do, uh, you, you mentioned Josh Richardson with a $11.6 million player option. He cannot be traded until that player option is exercised. If he, if he does exercise, what are your it. thoughts on that? Have um, you heard anything or I, I, I have not heard anything. Um, but you, I, I, I don't know and, if he's happy it, there. So there's a chance he just wants out right in a fresh start, bad free agent year anyway. Right. And at 11, six, that is a good matching salary. So we're, we're always talking about those middle middle salaries that are from 10 to 16 million dollars that are really good for matching with whether it's one person or two players at like seven to nine million dollars that'll allow you to match at that price. Mm-hmm. So you could do that. Yeah, I mean, you've got Dwight Powell who is at 11 million. If you want to move on from that, uh, you know, th- there are pieces that other teams may covet. But it's just going to be a matter of how can the Dallas Mavericks front office pull the strings to to get the pieces around Doncic that they need. And if they have to stick with Porzingis for one more year, then you at least have to make the moves now, knowing that your any cap space that you're even thinking of in the future is going to be wiped out with that last year of Porzingis in 2022, 23 yeah. plus Doncic's max extension and whoever else. Right. What do you think this team needs? You've watched them enough. You know, is it, do we have to go back to the LeBron blueprint? Cause it really does feel like that's what we're watching with Luca. And you know, I'm, I'm not trying to compare the, the legacies of those two players by any regard. I, I'm just telling you when I see this kid on the, on the court right now, he can do everything, and he, he has a more evolved three-point shot than LeBron did at this age. I mean, he's a, he'll go anywhere on the court, and he'll and he'll initiate contact. I just think that that's a tough player to build a team around. That was the problem with LeBron. We 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 didn't. I don't think anybody figured out LeBron's team building situation until he did. You know what I mean? When he started to say, "Hey." This guy, I think the, I like playing with this guy. And maybe he was doing that over the summer even and figuring out, hey, these are the kind of guys I need around me. He had to kind of mature into that well, understanding. And then he could convey that message to front offices or, or whatever, or maybe even media. And that became a, a big discussion point with the media. I kind of feel that's how we, where we are with Luca. I, I agree with that. But it also took LeBron having to go to Miami for him to realize that's fair. and have a Pat Riley in his ear, you know, and a Spolstra helping him yeah. learn and having D Wade and, and Bosch. And it made, he didn't learn all of that until he left Cleveland and then went back and, you know, he was able to manipulate and same in with the Lakers. Keeping in mind, Luca is young, but as we talked about last week, he has a lot of miles already on his body like LeBron has. So, you know, and being an all around athlete that he is and every position kind of guy, he, like you said, he likes, he likes to go in and and take the contact that's going to wear on him in the long run, especially that he has had a younger start being a pro than LeBron did. So 
Okay, so I don't know let, what let the me right bring let me bring is, a name up to you because we, we'll, we'll kind of move this along. I mentioned that it's kind of about you kind of got to look around the league and and maybe smell blood somewhere. That's what NFL teams have sort of gotten good at doing here and finding the uh, drama. Maybe it's another team who just got eliminated. Is CJ McCollum a fit for this Dallas team? Oh yeah, that would be an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, isn't that absolutely. a guy who who doesn't need to be need to have the ball much? He's not ball dominant. Who maybe is okay just kind of sitting on a wing, letting Luca do his thing, and then you know kick and pop. I, the money would be absurd. I mean, I mean, McCollum McCollum's extension hasn't even started yet. It's three for a hundred sitting out there. But that's got to be attractive to Cuban if they can make this work. And quite frankly. We talked about it with Keith last week, Scott. Portland needs defense. Yes. So is there a player on this team right now that can be flipped? You know, is Hardaway a good enough defensive defensive forward slash guard to go to Portland right now and facilitate with Dame and, and try to make this work? Can, can they sort of make this happen? Now, Also, Nurkic is a disaster. Is Porzingis an upgrade from Nurkic? I think yeah. there's at least a conversation to be had well, between it, these two teams because they're both in very similar situations. I mean, Dame and, and Luca are very different players, but not when it comes to needing the ball, not when it comes to the production that those two put up. They're very aligned, very parallel in that regard. And oh, by the way, you know, building around them hasn't been easy. That's been clear in Portland. I mean, otherwise they'd have at least a ring by now. So the difference being... Lucas cheap still, and Dame's crazy expensive. So Portland could probably stand to take a couple of smaller contracts on right now, whereas Dallas can still fit in a monster like like McCollum's number here. Well, and you make a good point with the defense in Portland because they've sort of been experimenting for the last year or two with all the bigs that they have on the roster. You mentioned Nurkic, Zach Collins, Ennis Cantor, Harry Giles. You know, they had they – had, four centers on their roster last year. Their own baloney. So (laughs) exactly. exactly. And at at one point they had Hassan Whiteside who was now with Memphis. So, you know, yeah, I I could definitely foresee if, if they wanted to work a trade out or a sign and trade or something. I mean, don't you think Bradley Beal is probably off the table this off season? Don't you think do. that conversation I, will probably quiet down? Yeah, I do too. I, I do I do until January, February, wherever Washington is. But I think Washington yeah. at least gives the Beal Westbrook a, a full shot, at least a half a season shot. I think that's right, Scott. Could be. And if you keep in mind, they, they had lost Thomas Bryant for the season. And he was their big man who they really needed, who was – having a career year at the beginning of the season. Plus they brought on Gafford. A couple of those so kids they, grew up really quickly in yep. the last past couple so, of months too, Scott. So I think, yeah. I think they want to see where they're going to go. So I would take Beal off the list. So, I mean, I, I'm just quickly doing some reference here. You know, McCollum is my a player for this Dallas situation. I'm looking at free agents. Easily the best offensive free agent is going to be DeRozan out of San Antonio, that's a whole nother ball of wax trying to understand what that organization is going to be over the next couple of years. McCollum's heads and shoulders above DeRozan right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. DeRozan had struggled at the beginning of the season. Um, So I I would say 
McCollum is probably above DeRozan, at least on my book. Okay. I'd rather have McCollum than DeRozan. And the only other player, I mean, I, I struggle with Luca. I struggle with with building around Luca because, you know, it could turn into Lob City there too, Scott. And and I hope Dallas doesn't end up being <laughs> what the Houston Rockets were with Harden, yeah. where they're they're sort of throwing baloney at a wall too of what what players can work with him and who is not going to work with him. Yeah, do you still understand that trade that I referenced, that Seth Curry trade? I mean, that that seemed overly aggressive to me. Yeah, it it was a move that, you know, they were trying to make an upgrade and it sort of backfired and, you know, they probably wish they had Seth as their shooting uh, ace there, but it is what it is. I, I just hope that, you know, Dallas doesn't fall down now. The Harden situation, you know, one game away from going to the finals and, and all of that, you know, in to some extent it worked, but there was such a revolving door of yeah. Chris Paul, then Russell Westbrook, and everyone else that was on that roster. So I, I just hope Dallas really thinks it through and is able to uh, put the right pieces around Luka so that he can thrive, but the team can also thrive. Yeah, I can't even. I, I I'm, I've been sitting here for ten minutes trying to find another alternative to Dallas and, and their shooting problem, and I can't get past McCollum <laughs> because then you start getting into bad teams, and that's where you have to overpay. I I, I think it's the right fit, so I'm going to stop myself right there. Let's talk about a few of these other teams real quick, because now our final eight is is solidified. Surprises, surprises. Mm. I mean, you can't say Phoenix. You bet him months ago. <laughs> no, not enough. Uh, I guess I guess you have to say Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I didn't trust the Knicks. Or do you mean no. with their one zero lead over Philly? Their lead with a uh, yeah. with Philly. If if we go in with the the remaining eight, as far as you know, who's been knocked out? No, not surprised at all. No, I'm not either. I think this makes a lot of sense where we are right now. Um. The, the the talk with the Hawks, and you can see it on the court, that's a team that was was sporadically injured for most of the season. Oh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. And they got enough time, enough prerequisite time before the playoffs started to gel as a, as a healthy squad. And you got to give that GM credit. That's a Warriors transplant who took the GM role over Atlanta there, and he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly how to put shooters out there. And he's got the right kind of bitman. I, I, I mentioned that Lob City situation with Luca. That's exactly what Trey Young's plan B is. Is he just drives and floats, and there's somebody there. There's there's a Collins or a Capella or somebody sitting there to just clean up his garbage when he gets stuck. That that to me is what Luca needs. Is because he gets out of control. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'll he'll, he'll yes. knock his body around. He'll get in the air. You know, he'll be going behind the back. Something will go wrong. He, he needs a, a, a safety release valve, and I don't think he has that on this roster because, like I said, Porzingis is not in that paint. He's not. And I'm telling you right now, Scott, I know you didn't see much of the game today. It was Boban cleaning up the mess, and it, and yeah. it wasn't successful. That's not good. <laughs> if we're looking at the Hawks roster, they are from a roster construction that you and I look at all the time. Balanced. It, it, very balanced. Balanced. Whether it's rookie to veteran or – High salary to low salary yes. or 
positional where right in the middle, Scott, we talk about this in the NFL every year. They're right in the middle of all these right categories. That's it's comfortable for the front office and it's, you can see how much comfort there is on the, on the team. Yeah. Yeah. They can go fast, but they can go slow. They have guys that can post up, but guys that can shoot. They brought in the right free agents last year because they had the space to do so, but they've also been able to draft very well. They're, they're very bound. So I, I think they're really going to give Philadelphia a run for money. And, and you made a great point with off the top here with Atlanta of the injuries. They had, you know, Gallinari, Bogdanovich. Hunter. They were in and out. Hunter was in and out. Cam Reddish has been, you know, he ended his season with an Achilles issue. But, you know, you have these guys who are able to have the experience but sure. help the rookies they have some question marks moving forward because they didn't extend John Collins. So he's going to be a free agent. You have uh, Tony Snell, Lou, uh, Lou Williams. So you have some guys that are, you know, wh- wherever they may go, John Collins is going to be the big one because but he'll be restricted. Correct, Scott. He, he is restricted. Okay. So they can match any offer that another team does, but there is that possibility that if a team really wants a John Collins, there's a sign and trade potential. I'd love now, offer sheets. I would. I, I love offer sheet season, and we don't get enough of them. This kid's having a good playoffs. There's a real chance that if he keeps this up, that we get some some fireworks here. Oh, absolutely, and and a lot of people, you know, I'm sure teams were trying to trade for him at the deadline and it just didn't happen. And now we're going to see really what the market value is for John Collins. You know, th- that could potentially be a Dallas person. You know, yeah. if you're looking for a big guy to want to be down low and in the post and that kind of stuff, he may be a guy that Dallas needs to. Well, with, winning fixes everything though, Scott, if they, if they clip, if they get through the 76ers, this team's going to stay intact. Don't you agree? Yeah, we may see a, a Tampa Bay esque. Sure, sure, especially with Trey in the toe. I mean, Trey, Trey's making a, a big time name here. Where would you assume the Phoenix Suns are on the list of odds to win the championship right now? Oh, I looked a couple of days ago. They were fourth, I think. They're now fifth. Fifth, fourth, or fifth. <laughs> They're fifth. Who do you think? Who, who's last? Do you know? Um, it's a tie. Is it De- is it Denver and it's Atlanta? Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say them. Who are now up one nothing on the Philadelphia 76ers who are th- who are third last. So it's a really weak situation right now over there. Not a lot of trust in the one in the single superstars. You know, Joker. Um, and Bede right now, I mean, Simmons is nothing, absolutely nothing. You want to talk about a guy who might get traded this year. Holy God. Um, but I did watch a, a decent amount of Clippers, Scott, and I got to give him some credit before we get out of here. That's, uh, you know, it's frustrating because I've seen, I don't know, a dozen of their games this year. I'm sure you've seen even more than that. This is the first time in 2021 that Kawhi Leonard looked like he cared about basketball to me. He, really? Yeah. He, he, had, has, he had an yeah, attitude. He, not, he was pumping yeah. his fist. He was high five and teammates. He was taking guys into the paint. It was inspiring 
finally. It took a game seven, <laughs> right? It took a game seven to get there. But he uh, he looks like Toronto Kawhi, at least for 60 minutes today. So no reason you should you should count those guys out. In fact, this is that's the third best odds right now in the game. It's the it's the Nets. It's the James Harden less Nets as the clear favorites. The Jazz, the Clippers, and the Bucks are your top four. Are you good with that order? Yeah, I guess. I still think <laughs> I, I still think Phoenix is. They're obviously an underdog because they're they're fifth in the list there. Yeah, I still I still like that team from a roster construction again. Young guys, vets, as long as Chris Paul, if his shoulder can hold up, you know, Aiton has showed he is a potential big man superstar in making. Uh, I, I still like that team. They also, according to these odds, have the easiest path through this round with Denver. Correct. So... I would agree with that. They should have energy, some stamina to get, you know, to get themselves ready for a conference finals against somebody. But, you know, Utah is going to outplay a Clippers team that just went seven and is going to have less rest, though they, they had a pretty easy day today. But, uh, yeah, there's no reason to discount the Suns as the two seed right now. Not even close. You're good with Brooklyn in this James Harden situation? I am. I am because uh, we've talked about it. Their yeah. roster is pretty deep. Yeah, they have and enough. E- e- even if you just have a, a Kyrie and a Durant, Durant can score from anywhere. I, I also think and, Joe Harris can pick up most of those hardened points. And that's, yes, Joe Harris can pick it up. We've seen Bruce Brown. We saw Mike James pick up a, a lot of slack yesterday. Uh, so, no, I they are a, a juggernaut to be a force with. I, I, I hope Milwaukee can have the defensive mind to slow them down enough to uh, be able to get them to six, maybe seven games. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but, but that, that if, if the Brooklyn nets are scoring on all cylinders and they're, they're just, you know, not being stopped defensively, and which is interesting because you know, as long as Brooklyn can play a little bit of defense, beginning of the season, if you remember, they were like epic bad. Well, I, I have a feeling it's the Kawhi situation I just mentioned. <laughs> uninspired. Right. I think the word is uninspired, Scott. Well, it, 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 and haven't we had a lot of that this year yeah. for the most part? And I, it, you got to understand it with the bubble situation, the quick turnaround. But if this do, if this becomes well, a couple year trend, Scott, then yes. no way, no way. Yeah, and that's where I, I was just going to say, if if this continues down for the next year or two, where we see this happening, I, I don't know what the league's going to have to do, but it, it's a bad look for the league from a monetization standpoint, from a game competitive standpoint. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. Tennessee Titans over under nine right now on FanDuel Sportsbook. Hmm. I'd take the over. You okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the Super Bowl odds changed almost 1,500 for Tennessee. So, what are, when, when, so where are they at right now? It's about 2,500. I mean, they were way down the list. They're about 25 to 1 now with Julio and Toe. So, so, so what's that ranking-wise? Where are they at? It's not – I mean, look, they're not going to get it done. <laughs> I mean – 
it's uh so you know they're not in the in the first nine let's put it that way they are they're pretty far down the board here they're about 15th right now scott Mm. about 15th so 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 vegas is saying julio jones isn't no nor should he nor should he and that's pretty much what the top of the show the discussion i had which is he's going to make an impact but you know we've seen bigger trades than this make less of an impact in vegas and less of an impact on the win totals. It's just not how it works. I mean, the Stefan Diggs situation with Buffalo, I think there were a lot of things going right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the Diggs trade is getting a lot more attention than maybe it deserves. It was a nice move, but you know, if Josh Allen doesn't fit his fix his footwork, Stefan Diggs ain't doing a thing for that team. So correct. there's correct. a, there's a lot of moving parts with these rosters, as you know, um, while we're here, I mean, I'm looking at, it, I think you are too. I, I, any of these teams in the top five surprise you in terms of Super Bowl odds? Mm. I, I, I see one glaring team. How the hell yeah, are the 49ers I, here? Yeah, I was going to say 49ers, what? even the Ravens to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, but 49ers, yeah. That, that, wow. We don't even know the week one quarterback. <laughs> Right, we don't. <laughs> Apparently, it just doesn't matter. Their defense is going to be that good, which they are. But or or, or they don't care that uh, they think Garoppolo or um, Trey, Trey Lance, Lance can right. get done. And they that's think what I'm saying. They just slotted in that the rest of the roster is already ready to roll. Um, boy, I love the Rams and Browns right now, being sixth and seventh on this list. Yeah, that's I, a that's I, a that could easily be a Super Bowl matchup, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Green Bay there, because I'm not touching that. I know you're not going <laughs> to. Did you hear the president I'm... come out? The president came out and said, we're, we're sick of this guy fracturing our fan base. Yes, I did read that. Yeah, I did. That's not that. a small thing. That's no, that's a pushback. So, but I, I, if he is traded, I, I wonder how much all of this shifts because you yeah, know, Denver's plus 2400 right now. So where, yeah. where does that, you know, do they jump Cleveland at plus 1600? Is, is, is Rogers on that roster better than Baker right now on his? I, I don't know. That's, that's a long way to go. I don't know if one guy, even that guy can do that, but Denver's right there with green Bay. So I guess it's possible. Crazier yeah. things have happened. It's a big day for sports for sure. All right. Good stuff, Scott. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription. Good time to do that right now. Things are really cranking up sports-wise. And, of course, the Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE to get started today. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.